Connect Church. Good morning, everyone. Would you stand with me as we prepare for worship today? Y'all, we've got a set this morning for worship that is all about, <laughs> this was not intentional, but the first song we're going to sing is about keeping hope alive in the midst of uncertain circumstances. And the second song is about waiting on the word of the Lord, the direction of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. And I was asking God this week, I said, Jesus, do you have something deep and meaningful and profound to share with the people as I'm supposed to do this intro? And he said, yes, and you're going to explain it through a video game. And I'm so sorry that it's going to be so nerdy for a hot second, but I trust you it will make sense. In certain games, there are things where you go and do very quick, like daily activities to earn resources. And one of those that I was doing in one of my games was where you go to a beach and you dig for treasure. And you get, it's a very easy way to accrue gold. But on rare, unusual circumstances, you just end up with nothing. And it says, unfortunately, there was nothing of interest to be found today. So this week on Monday, loaded it up, and I dug for treasure. Unfortunately, there was nothing to be found of interest today. Tuesday, all right, maybe it was just a fluke. Tuesday, unfortunately, there was nothing of interest to be found today. All right, well, I just have really bad luck, apparently. On Wednesday, I'm sure everything will be fine. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, unfortunately, there was nothing of interest to be found today. And I sat there laughing yesterday going, well, I must be doing something wrong or I'm cursed because I cannot get anything to work right. This treasure that I'm looking for just will not show up. And I'm sitting there laughing and God goes, yeah, it's a lot of things you say to me a whole lot of days. And I was like, oh, fine. There are so many times I feel like in life where we are digging deep. We are praying, we are worshiping, we are fasting, we are going to church, we are talking to people about Jesus, we're just talking to him whether we have known him for a day or for our entire lives. And it feels like no matter what we do, there's just nothing to be found. And there were th three things I wanted us to think about in the midst of that. One, if you're in the midst of one of those limbo seasons, as I call them, this period between while you're still searching and you haven't yet found the treasure at the end, it's understandable if you're mourning, if you're angry, if you're confused. God is not afraid of those emotions but the Holy Spirit wants to counsel you in the midst of them and comfort you in the midst of them. Two, don't stop digging because there is a treasure to be found. But most importantly, number three, is that that treasure we so often can be digging to find the breakthrough, the miracle, the healing, the financial provision, the promotion, insert your thing here. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But if we dug and found that as the only treasure, instead of finding that he is the treasure that we're looking for, then we're gonna walk right back into another limbo season right after. He is the most precious treasure that we are staying alive for, that we are digging for. And I want us today, as we are singing these songs, to remember that he is the thing that keeps hope alive, that we're waiting on him and not what he gives us. He has already given himself and that is the best thing that he could have. So I want us to frame that in our minds as we sing and worship today, but let's pray together before we start. God, that song that was on before we started is so true, Lord. You are our shepherd, God, and we shall not want, God. On the mountaintops and in the valleys low, God, we will want nothing more than who you are, God. To know you, to love you, to trust you, to honor you, to walk with you every single day of our lives. You sent your son so that we would be able to live every single day in relationship, in connection, in communion with you. With you, God the Father, with Jesus the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. 
So may we not want for more than that Trinity today, God. God, we trust you in the midst of all of these limbo seasons in life, physically, mentally, relationally, financially, globally, generationally, racially, whatever it is, God. God, we may be digging for treasure, but you are the treasure that we choose to dig for first and foremost and forever, God. God, if you have to, God, as you've opened so many eyes that you've brought the scales off the eyes of Saul turned to Paul, God, as you open the eyes of Elisha and his servant, God, to the truth of your world, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the glory of you, God, of your being, so that we understand what that treasure is, God, and never belittle or be less grateful for it, God. It is your holy and almighty name that we pray. Amen. All right, everyone, let's worship together. may be darkest, but your light is greater. You light our way, God, you light our way. When evil is rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save. Cause you keep hope alive. You keep hope alive from the beginning to end. Your word never fails. You keep hope alive because you are alive. Jesus, you are alive. Death has a stronghold, but your life was stronger.
our strength and our joy, our peace, God. It is you on whom we rest, on whom we trust, God. It is you on whom we build our life. Who else could I lean on for support? Who else could I be set free by? Who else is the true I don't believe in fairy tales. I guess I've outgrown them. That doesn't mean I don't believe that there's something bigger than me. Cause I've seen it in a hospital room when the doctor said, Sorry, there's nothing more we can do. But it wasn't through. I've never seen a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. But I got a promise I can hold in the middle of a struggle. God, you said you'll perform it. May not be how I want you to. But here's what I'll do. I'm going to wait on you. Trust me. 
isn't just that God's going to show up if you wait. The promise is, as you wait, you get stronger. I don't know about you, I needed that this week. Because, because maybe maybe you're on the other side of the waiting and you already have your miracle. And I've heard some miracle stories this week of people who've been waiting, right? And they got their miracle. Come on, because God's never late. He's rarely early. Come on, somebody, right? But he's never late. But maybe, maybe, maybe you felt like me this week where you're waiting. And waiting is exhausting. And waiting pulls at your spirit and waiting weighs you down. But did you allow your spirit to be ministered to today? Those that wait, not just wait in time, not just wait in space, not just wait for something to happen. Those who wait on the Lord, they shall be strengthened. Come on, this morning, we not only have a God that's interested in delivering at the end of the waiting, but we've got a, a God that will strengthen you in the midst of the waiting. What a God we serve. Man, with everything going on in the world, in our lives, I hope this morning that you go out singing at this morning. God, that's, can we just pray that this morning? I'm just going to pray, and I'm praying that you grab a hold of it this morning. God, I thank you. Daddy, I thank you that your word is true. 
that those who wait on the Lord, you shall renew their strength this morning. You shall mount them up on wings like eagles that they may see from a different perspective. They may catch the breeze and soar above the situation today that they may be elevated to know you with a new hope. Daddy, we believe in you. We trust you not just to be the answer, but, but, to, but to be the provision in the midst of the answer. Jesus, we love you. So many here, so many online this morning, needing a breakthrough, needing a miracle, that they're in the, the waiting moment. God, I thank you that you are the God who is provision, who is healing, who is love, who is mercy, who is justice, who is hope itself. So we are saying to our soul, we are saying to our emotions, we are saying to our our worry, we are saying to our stress, we will trust in the Lord. We're going to wait on Him, and we're going to be renewed in the midst of it. Daddy, I trust you. Come on, can you just say that this morning? Daddy, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. Come on. Come on. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Come on, church. Bless. Just take a moment for yourself to bless his name. Just say, bless you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Jesus, I trust you. Father, I give you myself. I'm giving you the circumstance. Daddy, I need you. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Because your soul needs to be refreshed this morning. I refuse to allow my emotions to be my master. In the name of Jesus, you are my master. Holy Spirit, come today. Change us. Fill us overflowing. Let your prophetic word flow. Let signs and wonders and miracles come. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you that it is never based on our goodness, our righteousness, our work, that any of this provision comes. We thank you that all the work that was needed was finished when you said those words on the cross. It is finished. Salvation, wholeness, Provision, health, freedom, it is finished. No addiction stronger, no depression mightier, no circumstance stronger, it is finished. So my friends, brothers and sisters, let's say amen to that. Amen and amen, amen. Come on, can we give God just some glory for being the provider this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Hope in the midst of it all. Hallelujah. Woo! Well, good morning, Connect Church. How are you doing this morning? So good that you, oh! You may have come in sleepy, but you can't be sleepy now. That thing that I just mentioned, David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. That word in Hebrew is a command. It's not a suggestion. He's not saying to his emotion, hey, here's a good idea. Let's bless God. Because our soul is going to list the reasons why we shouldn't bless God because of all the problems we've got. That's why David says, bless him. Hey, soul, get up this morning. Bless him. Bless him. Now I don't want to bless him anyway. 
I don't care what you want to do. Bless them. Come on, this week, this week, this week, I'm going to tell myself this week, Danielle had to sit me down. She's like, look, we got to talk. Come on, husbands, you know when, you, when your wife says you got to talk. It was just, man, there was just so much me in the midst of all the situations were going on. And I was depressed and I was tired and I was spiritually exhausted. And I was just, you know, afraid. Did you ever get to a place where you're afraid? Not afraid, afraid. See, I needed somebody to come and say, you better bless the Lord, boy. She literally said, you better get in your office and you better start praying in the spirit about your own soul before you ever write a sermon this week. And I was like, shut up. Come on, right? And then I did not tell her to shut up to her face. Um, no, no, I didn't. Come on. Anybody with me? Can we thank God for a Holy Spirit that says, man, hey, yo, shut up. Just, you better start praying. That's what Jake was saying this morning. You may be digging for treasure and digging for treasure and digging for treasure. Hey, nice try, nice try, nice try. But keep digging. Because the word says, seek and you shall find. There is a moment of seeking before you find. There was a moment where the water that turned to wine was still water. Wasn't quite yet, wasn't water anymore, but wasn't yet wine. That may be where your breakthrough is. It's not really water yet anymore, but it's not yet wine. My God is the God that changed water to wine. For no other reason than to bless people. I just want to speak that to you this morning because in the midst of everything, especially what's going on in our world, it's easy to get sidetracked and let emotion determine our direction. And we have one focus this morning. His name's Jesus, and that cross is worth all of our praise. It's worth all of our praise. So let me take a moment. If you're here for the first or second time, welcome to Connect. We're really glad you are here. Thank you for being our guest this morning. We hope you feel welcome. We hope that you consider making this your home. If you are online this morning like so many are on vacation or still recovering from uh, COVID or, or, or just out, we love you. We are praying for you. Man, look, even if you're watching this later, my God is outside of time and space. So join in, man. When we say amen, say amen. Get that spirit that's in this room inside of you, and I promise you, the God of heaven and earth will move no matter where you are. That's so we're glad. Can you guys give God, everybody who's uh, online a hand? We love you guys. Thanks for being with us. Well, look, as you're being seated, man, take a moment or two. Just turn to somebody. Give them a high five. Say hi. Ask them a question about it. Just give them a hug. No, I don't know if you can give hugs anymore. I don't know. Fist pump. Just take a moment. I'm all sweaty already. Hallelujah. Hey, before we hop into the word, you know, we, we feel it's really important uh, to, for us all to understand um, and to feel invited into what we do as a church. And one of the things that we do in, in, in our community here of faith is that we feel it's important to let our community outside of these walls know that they're loved, seen, and valued. 
And one of the great ways that we do that, and we are continuing to always look on how to do this better and how to do more, is through our Thy Kingdom Come food truck, our ministry TKC. You see it all the time. You hear us talk about it all the time. There'll be a slide up there in just a second about it. But this week, we're starting something that we haven't been able to do for two years now. We've been feeding people family meals since the beginning of the pandemic, so we've given away Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of meals to people in our community every week uh, around, our, uh, around the greater Philadelphia area over the last couple years. But we haven't been able to take the truck out for obvious reasons. Because we didn't really want people in the middle of a pandemic to stand in line next to each other and get food. So this is the first week we're going to be able to take it back out again. Uh, so we're so excited about that. We're inviting you to come be a part of it, even if you're not, look, you don't have to come and serve, just come and be a part of it, be a part of the, 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 the party atmosphere. Like, we, wanna, we like creating a block party atmosphere when the truck rolls up. It's not just about giving away food, it's about actually blessing community, making people feel seen and loved and heard and valued. Um, and so we set up, like, cornhole and tents, and we've got music jamming, and we're going to be at the Heritage's Dairy uh, Store in Runnymede, this Saturday from 12 to 2. So even if you can't come, let your friends know. It's free food. It's awesome food. Um, and if you can come, just show up. You don't have to be there the whole two hours. Just come. Show up. Be a part of it. That's what we're all about. And we have vision to be able to continue to do more as we're stepping into hopefully being able to bring the kitchen into this facility and do more that way. I, I wanted uh, someone who serves at TKC just to, to, to come and talk with me for a moment. So George, can you... Uh, can you come on up? Come on. Can you guys give George a hand really quick? George has been serving for a little while now with me. He's got a cool TKC shirt on. What's up, brother? Hey, how you doing, Pastor? Good, man. It's good to see you. I always, I, every time I see him, I'm like, I love this dude. Um, so uh, George has been serving just what, for, uh, for a little while now. Yeah, a few months. So tell me, tell, tell us. Um, what drew you to be a part, kind of, wanting to be a part of TKC? Um, when I, I first started coming to this church a few months ago, and uh, I saw Stephanie up here, and I, honestly, what's, what got me to really like it was just the name. It's a, it's a catchy it name. It is a cool name. I agree. Yeah. I <laughs> yes. Very cool name. Yeah. I was here uh, at church. I got my mom drugger out here one week, and uh, I was telling her, I was like, that kingdom crumb, and just, <laughs> and so we enjoyed that, so, and then. Uh, you know, it's a great ministry. It's a food ministry. Yeah. So. so tell me, why do you think it's so essential, especially now uh, in the midst of it? Because you see people every week um, coming out and being a part of it. And you see people of, of uh, every, a every age group, every ethnicity, every background. Why, why do you think it's so essential today? Today, because the, you know, just where the, the economy is right yeah. now and everything, and just where the state of the world is, you know. You could never use Jesus more now than ever. Yeah, that's true. You know, when you're given loving on someone through food. Yeah. As we yeah, food's people glue. Years, yeah, absolutely. This people glue. Yep. So, you know, they, it's a good way to um, really reach out right now. You know, some people, you know, with the price of food going up, they just can't. They, it's harder to get by now. It so, is harder, you know, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it takes, it takes, you know, we talk all the time about it taking a village, right? We're the village in this. Um, and, and let me just ask you this last thing, because um, it was something you said to me last time, last week when we were together. 
we were walking out, and Pastor Rick uh, was ta- talking to us about how many people prayed to receive Jesus. And just so you know, we have a, a you know, that's, we don't just give away food. It, the, food is the means. Jesus is the end, right? So we don't give away food without Jesus. There's, we're not social services. We are kingdom people. And so we have prayer t- tents set up. And you, you think that people won't ever stop? So many people stop at the prayer tent. And, um, and so Pastor Rick was telling us how many people received Jesus that week. And you said to the effect, one of the things I love the most is when I tell people about going to stop there. And they stop there. Tell me why that, t- talk to me about that for just a second. Why is that, why does that hit you? What's so beautiful about that moment? Um, it's, it's a great moment. Well, for one, once you get somebody over there, you know that the Holy Spirit, how he works through Pastor Rick. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, there's like, he's, he's hitting grand slams out the park. He is, yeah, absolutely. He, somebody's getting saved. Somebody, exactly, they're so, getting saved. When, when there's tears <laughs> happening, there's something. When we see, we see miracles there, people getting transformed, it's beautiful. It's, it is. So whenever I, you know, when the Holy Spirit works through me, says something to them that makes them want to go over there. Yeah. And I see them driving over there. I'm just like, oh, probably not. So I get saved. And I come up afterwards. And I'm like, Pastor Rick, did that car get saved? <laughs> did that car get saved? I sent that one. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Love it. But you feel a part of that yeah. process, right? Because yeah. in this thing, we don't have to be the person that leads them to Jesus. Because sometimes for some people, that's scary. Other people in here are like, I want to do that. But all, he, all, all George is doing is putting a box of food in a trunk and saying to them, hey, if you need some prayer for anything, just stop over. Pastor Rick would love to pray with you for a few moments. And you said, I feel a part of their journey. Mm-hmm. I feel a part of that. And that's what, that's, what, that's what the body is supposed to look like. Yeah. Every part of the body does what they can do. And when we all work together using the gifts that we have, people's lives are changed. So thank you guys for giving. Can I really encourage you? Consider being a part of what George just talked about. Consider, you don't have to do it every week. You don't have to, it's not an, a life commitment. If you, li- if you don't like it, you can stop. We can find something else. But be a part of it. If you can't be a part of it by serving, be a part of it by giving. Given to mission, it makes a difference, all right? Can you guys give George a hand? Thank you, buddy. I love you. Dude, you're fantastic. You're awesome. We'll give that to Pastor Danielle for you. Thanks. Love you, dude. Hey, guys, thanks for letting me talk about it. We, it's, it's just who we are. It is not what we, I do. It's what we do. This is what you do. So it's thank you for being a part of that. Well, you guys ready for the word today? Because we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about this in the Word. If you, since you brought your Bible, since you brought your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Luke is the third book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's, Luke is a disciple of Jesus. He, uh, he's a doctor by trade. He is a phenomenal historian and a wonderful writer. And if you need a title for today's message, it is Please Stand Up. Please stand up. George, thank you for for standing up here and telling us your truth today. I love it. Thank you, Stephanie and TKC, for what you guys do. Please stand up. You know, uh, some of you may remember, but some of you may not. A a while ago, a long time ago, kind of on TV, there was this show called To Tell the Truth. Do you remember that? To Tell the Truth. And what it was is that there were a, a panel of four celebrities who would try to choose between three contestants and decide who was telling the truth. 
And they'd ask all sorts of questions and look for all sorts of clues. Uh, and then after the, 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 the balloting was cast, after they put, put their vote in on who it was, the host would stop and say, will the real, whatever their name was, the real John Smith, please stand up. Now this was a long time before Eminem told the real Slim Shady to please stand up, please stand up, please stand up, thank you. The truth is I was thinking about that because I saw the highlight of that uh, uh, the other day and I was thinking about this truth that, that in our world today I think people are asking that same question about Christianity. That same question about Jesus. The same question about Christ followers. Will the real Jesus stand up? Will the real church become the church? Will disciples really follow the one who say they're being discipled by? The real Jesus. Not the gun-toting Jesus, the people-hating Jesus, the Jesus that is just one road to God, the Jesus of the political left or the Jesus of the political right, not the celebrity Jesus or the everything-goes Jesus, not the current-issue Jesus, the real Jesus, the real one. Because, my friends, we are standing in a nation that does not believe that Jesus is irrelevant no matter what the media would want to uh, espouse and make us believe. We are simply standing in a generation that can't see the forest because of all the trees. They can't see the real Jesus that's out there. A generation that wants to know the real Jesus but is exhausted by the weaponization of who he is and what his kingdom is or isn't really about. And the real Jesus gets lost in the white noise of it all. And this is what I know. I know because the world is in this state, two things are absolutely true. That this is exactly where the enemy wants us. The enemy, the enemy doesn't, want, uh, doesn't need to get rid of Jesus, first of all, because he can't. But all he needs to do is muddy the water to fuzzy up the picture of Jesus and what church should be and what the kingdom really is and who Jesus really is and who Jesus really isn't so that people get tired of trying to figure it out and they simply stop looking. We see it. We talked about it a little bit last week. Matthew 16, Jesus says to the disciples, hey, I've been preaching for a while now. Who do people say that I am? And they say, well, some people say this, and some people say that, and some people think you're this, and some people think you're that. And the more people that think this and that, the more they never have to choose who he really is. Because if we don't choose who he really is, we get to be accepted by everyone. And I know that in the midst of this kind of world that we're living in right now, all of us, the spiritual world, that it affects us as well. It affects men and women of faith because the truth is that we suffer from spiritual exhaustion too. I don't know about you, but man, I'm tired of it all because I've got enough issues in my own self. I've got enough of my own pain to deal with. But when that happens, what we tend to do as people of God is that we become like turtles and we hide in our shell. But I want to know the real Jesus too. 
I want my friends and my family members, I I want to cut down the trees so that my friends and my family members, my neighbors, my, my generation can know the one true king, the one who changed my life. I want them to be able to know who he is and that he loves them and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to get to the Father, that he is love incarnate, that he from the very beginning has been saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. I'll carry your burden. I've already carried your life. So I, we need, including myself, need to pick up an ax and start clearing the forest. I'm not talking about clearing others. Clearing political issues. I'm talking about clearing the stuff in us. You know, the stuff in us. Because if we're honest, it's really the stuff in us that keeps us from seeing the real him. And it's the stuff in us that keeps people around us from seeing the real him through us. In the text we're going to look at, there's this lame man and a bunch of friends who reveal Jesus in a powerful way. The man could have stayed hidden because of all the situations he had in his life and his friends certainly could have given up long before the breakthrough ever came. But because of their persistence, people saw Jesus like they never saw him before. And I'm praying, that th- I'm praying this over us today as a church. I'm praying this over your life. That man, that somewhere along the way, that because of the work Jesus is going to, we're allowing Jesus to do in us, that the people around us will see Jesus like never before. Luke chapter 5, verse 18 says this, And behold, some men were bringing a, a, a lame man a bed, a, a, on a bed who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way in with him because of the crowd, they went up on top of the roof and let him down through, uh, with his bed. Now they tore off all the tiles this was a mason building, masonry building. A stuck, they're, they're tearing off roof tiles, roof, coming through the roof, right? Through the tiles in the midst of Jesus. And when he saw their faith, underline that, their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. When he saw their faith, he said, man. Come on. Something that started in them got into him. Something that started in them got into him. Jesus said there, and then he spoke to the man. See, what starts in us goes beyond us. What is started in you and I goes beyond you and I. What was started in that young boy who brought the five loaves and two fish went beyond his ability and fed 5,000 and revealed Jesus in a way that that crowd never knew him before. See, what starts in us goes beyond us if we allow Jesus to work in us. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, and the religious people start to freak out. Because they say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, only God can do that. And Jesus said, yeah, I know, that's why I did it. And he said, oh, by the way, just so that I can get rid of all your confusion, because you seem to be confused about who I am, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? But so you know I am God, I'm going to do both. Your sins are forgiven, boy, now get up and walk. And I love verse 25. This is awesome. He says, and immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. What? All. What started in him went beyond him. Because in his willingness 
to be vulnerable, in his willingness to be real, in his willingness to be carried, in his willingness to develop relationships that would carry him to the cross, carry him to the king, in his willingness to be real in life, what was started in him went beyond him. And in this moment, they saw the real Jesus. They saw the real Jesus. And they were amazed and astonished. Isn't it incredible that we have a God who is interested both in spiritual healing as well as physical well-being? We have a God who is interested in our wholeness and our holiness. And I love the fact that Jesus wasn't, like, he wasn't controlled by cultural or religious restrictions or what they said was allowed or not allowed. His whole purpose in every encounter was to reveal who he truly was and to restore the people to who they were created to be. It was his purpose then, and it is still his purpose today. How does he do that? Through us. How does he do it? Through us. It's still his desire. As I think about the story, I think one of the most beautiful things about this story is that you and I get to be, we can, we can be all three groups of people that are found in the story, all three of them. It's awesome. So, sometimes all at the same time, we can be those three people. There's three sets of people. Because Jesus can reveal himself to us and move through us into the world around us, right? Which is amazing. We are the man on the mat who is unable to walk out this walk with God by ourselves without a move of God. We need forgiveness and healing. All the time. That is who we are. We are people that Jesus wants to minister to. But we also can be the friends, the people who are willing to carry the weight of the man, go through the obstacles that seem overwhelming and too insurmountable so that they can bring people to the throne of God, be people who Jesus ministers through. We also can be the owner of the house who had to endure some definite personal discomfort to allow other people who he didn't even know to come and experience Jesus, to get a different revelation of God. Can we agree that not only can we be those people, but at the end of the day, Jesus was all three of those. Isaiah 53 says that Jesus became our sin He became us, the lame man on the mat. He took our brokenness. He took our iniquities. He carried the weight of our hell and death and damnation on the cross. And he definitely was the owner of the house who was willing to suffer some personal discomfort so that other people could come to an encounter with God. What a, look, and if that's what discipleship is. That's what the church is always meant to be. We are not just called to believe like Christ. We are called to live like him. His purpose to reveal himself. To restore people to what they were created to be. I think the challenge in our modern world is that believers tend to desire a revelation without any personal perspiration. We, 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 We want more of the promises of God. We want more breakthroughs. We want more people to come to God. We want more things to happen. We want things to be the way that they, we think they should be, but with very little investment. Yeah. 
okay. All right. We don't want to sweat. We don't want to work. We just think it's this week, this week, this week. Literally, we had um, we had a couple kids who were walking by our house, and uh, and um, they they uh, we have a pool out back. So they saw the pool and they came banging on our door, bang, 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 bang. Now we weren't home, so we saw it on the cameras, right? And they're bang, 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 ringing the doorbell, ringing the doorbell. We weren't home, so they went to our neighbors, who happens to be Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick said they said bang, 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 bang. He answered the door. Hey, is that your pool? Nope. It's my, it's my daughter and son-in-laws. Well, can we go swimming in it? No. Well, why not? It's really hot. No. But we, we think we should be able to because it's hot and we want to swim. As ludicrous as that sounds, that same spirit of entitlement is in us. And it's even worse because it's embedded as Americans in us. Not just fallen people who are selfish by nature, but it's reinforced by the culture. Man, come on. I used to travel all the time. This is how I know Americans are entitled. Because wherever we go, we expect people to speak English. We expect them to cook food we like or at least could recognize. Come on, somebody. When you travel, you always know the Americans in the airport because we are the loudest people on the planet. Because everybody should want to hear our opinions. That spiritual participation trophy mentality is in us. I mean, I sort of participate, so I deserve the trophy. Don't get me started on participation trophies. But can we agree it's in us? See, but disciples realize that personal perspiration tends to precede the revelation. If we want a new work, I mean, if we want a new revelation, there's some new work that needs to be done. Now, here's what I just want to make sure we're clear. The work I'm talking about isn't the work we're used to pastors talking about. Not here or in the past. See, in the past, even at every church conference right now, and even the old me that's inside of me that keeps wanting to hop up in the midst of all this, the question that's being talked about, whether you know it or not, is after the pandemic, how do we get people to do more? How do we get people more committed to church? I get it. Because this week it popped up in me. Because we had a very challenging offering last week. And when we have challenging offerings, it's not just a difficult week. It hinders what we can do in the vision God has given us in our world. And it speaks to me as a pastor sometimes about whether or not I think that people value what we do. That's probably not true, but that's what it speaks to. So the me inside of me is like, I got the answer. I'm going to pray. We got to get people more committed. We got to get people more committed because that's my survival mode. 
Oh, you've got survival mode too. And right now, survival mode is being tweaked when you have to put some gas in the car or when you're at the checkout buying food for your kids. There's a survival mode that goes off inside of us that connects us to the we we used to be, not the he that he is. But the work we need to be committed to, my friends, is not doing more. It is being more. Being willing to perspire in the Spirit. To work at the things that are actually undermining our walk with Jesus. Actually, the hidden things that we don't want to admit are there, but are actually keeping us from loving Him more, being real, being transparent, actually falling in love with His bride, His cause, and His kingdom. Man, that's where the work has to be done. Because that is the stuff that is keeping the real Jesus from standing up in us and in our world. That's why Paul says in Philippians 2.12, he said, man, we got to work out this thing called salvation. Now, you can't work for salvation because salvation is a free gift. It's already done. He did all the work. But where salvation is instantaneous, sanctification, health, wholeness, breakthrough is a process. But if you and I are counting on the revelation of Jesus we had when we got saved to carry us through till we die, that's as crazy as thinking you can go on the first date with someone and go, oh, I know everything about him. Let's get married. No, that's why Exodus 16, God says, I'm going to send manna every day. And every day my people are going to have to come up and trust me. Every day I'm going to get them to come up and follow me. Because it's a picture of a constant journey with God that we need to be on. And some days we win. And some days, more often than not, I am reminded why I got to keep journeying. Come on, am I the only one that sometimes has to be reminded by life that I got to keep journeying? Come on, this is why the principle of sowing and reaping isn't about money. It's about our relationship with Jesus. Galatians 6, 7 says, well, you don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. Whatever you sow into, you'll reap from. That means when we sow into Jesus, not only do we get a deeper revelation of Jesus, but we get a deeper revelation to to share with others of who Jesus really is. Come on. Because Jesus, his whole purpose was to reveal who he is to people. So the question we need to ask ourselves, is that the place from where we're sowing? Are you and I sowing in our life? so that Jesus can reveal himself more? Or are we sowing to get, stop being, receive what we need? Or are we saying, you know what? I'm going to sow from the same place Jesus sowed to reveal more of who he is. I'm going to sow so that I can reveal more of who he is to myself, more of who he is to my marriage, to my neighbors, to my kids, to my world, to my generation. Because that's really what people need to see who he is. And if we can, I think if that's the, the goal of our life, we can get a clue from some of the people in this text of how that can look. Because this is what I know. When I look at the people in this text, that real pain that cripples reveals a real Jesus that cares. Real pain. Do you realize that pain is a universal language? Pain is a language that everybody across the world 
understands. It happens in every person, in every culture, of every age, in every family. Now, not everyone experiences the same type of pain or the same level of pain, but there is not a person on this planet that either hasn't, is, or will experience real pain that cripples. Whether that's through emotional devastation or betrayal or divorce or abuse or some type of loss or disease or friends that are vanishing or depression that is seeping in, somewhere along the line we will face some crippling pain that makes us believe we don't even want to get out of bed the next morning. And maybe it's not just the next morning. It's 10 mornings and 10 months of mornings and 10 years of mornings because the thing that everybody goes through is real pain. This is where real people live. Where the man on that mat lived for years and years, broken and hurting and devastated. And what he needed was a revelation of a real Jesus that really cared about where he was in his real pain. I think the issue in our world today, if we're honest, why people don't see this, is because of us. Many times, I don't mean just us, I mean us in the big you us, not the little you us, maybe it is the little you us. Because in our need to, pro- to project that we're okay, we send the wrong message. There's this thing in church, in the church world, in the spiritual, religious world, where we're like, I got to let people know I'm okay, I'm blessed, I'm good. And even though we're going through some real pain, we don't really talk about that real pain because of what we think it would be perceived about us or about Jesus. And so what we tell them is that a perception, Jesus is more interested in perception than pain. Because they know you've got pain. And we end up painting a picture to a world of a Jesus that cares more about issues than people. But the reality is Jesus never allowed people to define an issue and an issue to define people. John 1.17 says grace and truth came in Jesus. Grace and truth came in Jesus. He defined issues through truth And he defined people through grace. Yes, truth needs to be there because we need to see issues through the word of God, the way of God, the wisdom of God. Yep, they're the boundaries that help us. But we need to understand that Jesus saw people through the eyes of grace. Why? He saw them as broken, in real pain, and in needing of something they don't have yet. Personal love, compassion, and goodness. It's why, if we're honest, I'm going to just take a moment. It's why, if we're honest, when some of our communities are in pain, when our black community or our Latino community or our AAPI community are in pain after moments like George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or the shooting in Buffalo or Uvalde or last week in Chicago, it's why when we don't talk about and recognize the real pain that they're going through and we want to make it about issues, when we throw away, come on church, when we throw the obligatory praying for Buffalo, praying for George Floyd's family, but let me list the issues of why everything is wrong. It's why people in that com- those communities stop listening to the church. Stop listening. 
because we're not recognizing they're in real pain. There's a time for issues, but not when people are in real pain. That's time for grace. That's time for us to stop and say, you know what, real pain. But if we're not really willing to deal with the real pain in us, how can we have real compassion for pain in others? The truth is, my friends, when we are in pain and we hide it, we create a misconception about who Jesus really is. What really concerns him. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about having all your stuff out there, right? I don't need us to throw all of our business out so everybody knows. But when we hide the things that are really crippling us, we're not being honest. When we don't bring things into the light but keep them in the darkness, not only do we remain lame on the mat of our own making, but we, be, but we become a part of the enemy's work that is muddying who Jesus really is to the world rather than choosing to be a part of the king's work of revealing who he is. Because Jesus is much more interested in people than he is a perception. We're not alone when we do this. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 25 in this parable of the talents. He said the dude who got one talent, he said this. He said, since I know you are a hard man, and you reap where you do not sow. I was afraid, so I hid it. His misperception of the master, his misperception of the gift that was given to him created a, uh, created a desire for him to hide rather than reveal. And he, he was afraid, so he projected that fear onto Jesus, and he actually created an image that was not real. Because Jesus is not a hard man who, does not re where, who reaps where he does not sow. He is the original sower. He is the one who provided the seed in the first place. So anything good inside of us didn't come from us. It originated from him. Why are we afraid to give away what he first put inside of us? Because we've got to understand this need to hide our brokenness is inside of us. But it's not part of our kingdom nature. It's part of our fallen nature. Genesis 3.8, what's the first thing uh, Adam does when he's broken? God rolls up and the Bible says he hides. To hide our brokenness is in our fallen spiritual DNA. It's there. It's inside of every one of us. But here's what we get to understand today as men and women of faith that God uses our brokenness to reveal more of his son. God uses our brokenness, not our wholeness, our brokenness. That same chapter, Genesis 23, verse 21, God, the Bible says this, God took an animal and killed it, made a sacrifice of it. There was a shedding of blood, and he took that skin, and he covered Adam and Eve. My friends, this is a picture of the Lamb of God. He was revealing what his son was going to do when the Lamb bled and died, and we are covered by his righteousness. We are clothed in his holiness. He used Adam and Eve's brokenness to reveal to a world a Jesus they had never known before because the only Jesus they knew before walked with them in peace. I love this moment in Matthew chapter 12 where Jesus is in a synagogue and there's a man with a withered hand there. And Jesus rolls up to the man 
And he says, uh, stretch out your hand. Now, they're not in like revival service. They're not in super Holy Spirit prayer meeting. There was no promise given when he said it. He didn't even tell the man which hand to stretch out. Here's what I know. In our world today, in our synagogues, in our church world, we would have stuck out the good hand and hid the withered hand behind our back. Yeah, Jesus, here's my hand. I'm all good. And we would have left that place with everybody thinking we're good, but still being broken. It wasn't until that man extended his withered hand, took the risk, exposed his brokenness. He didn't care what everybody else thought. He only wanted to give God a go. And he stuck out the withered hand. And the Bible says in that instant, the withered hand was changed. Both this man and the man on the mat were willing to put themselves out there. To let people know that they weren't perfect. That they were in real pain. Because sometimes, my friends, we got to sweat it. We got to sweat what people are going to think if they know the real stuff about us. But it's the only way that they're going to get to know the Jesus that they don't know yet. That's it. Because they know you ain't perfect. We're not that good of actors. They're just too polite to tell you they know. I was so proud of our CFO, Sharon, a few months ago. She stood on the stage and gave her testimony about walking through cancer with Jesus. Before the miracle of the breakthroughs come. And in that, do you know what people saw? A real person who was in real pain and a real Jesus caring about that person while they were in pain. And out of that testimony, not out of the miracle, not out of the miracle, out of the testimony of who Jesus cares about people, people's lives were given over to Jesus Christ. Because that's all they needed to know is that Jesus cares about real people with real pain. I get it. The reality is sometimes it's hard to do life with people. To work at building healthy relationships because people are hard work. Somebody say amen. Especially after the pandemic, right? Because we were alone or with just a handful of people and it got easy to just be with us. Church was online, didn't have to get up, drive in, get the kids ready, take a shower. Come on, somebody. How many of you, like, had your hair in a bun, right, PJs on? Pastor had to take a shower, but you were good. So easy. Because it limited our exposure. I'm not talking about our exposure to COVID. I'm talking about something way worse, disappointment. That kind of separation limits our exposure to hurt, disappointment, betrayal, opportunity for loss. But it also limits our opportunity for exposure of the real Jesus. Because God is not simply a relational God. He is a God of relationships. He exists in community. Now don't get me wrong. Every part of the Godhead stands individual. They can stand, that's why there's an individual aspect to kingdom life. But they function together in, as the Trinity, in community. Jesus saves individuals, but he builds his church. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about a community of people. The only way for people to see the real Jesus isn't just what happens to you in your own little world. It has happened so that people can see a real Jesus working in a real community of people. Yeah. 
Because the truth is, our world has no problem believing in a Jesus that wants to be relational with them. They have a problem seeing, and for good reason, is a community of believers that builds relationships like him. That's what they've been having trouble seeing. Come on, it takes perspiration. Because people are exhausting. And by the way, I am exhausting to somebody. So are you. It's easier to just build us four and no more. I get it. I've been really hurt by people in church. More than you can ever imagine. Ever will I even be able to know. I get it. Do you know what's inside of me? I just want to build a life with her and with my son. A couple handful of people, I'm good. It's so much easier. I'm tired of being hurt. But I'm robbing my king of an opportunity to reveal himself to the world. The pandemic has been a thief that has robbed Jesus of an opportunity to be revealed through community in our world. Did you ever ask the question when you read this verse, why didn't Jesus just come out of the house? He knew that they were there because he knew everything. The Pharisees and the people in the room, they would have got up and went outside. He could have taught them outside as easy as he could have taught them inside. And if he didn't know all that, he at least would have heard them banging on the roof. There's no mistaking. He knew they were out there. Why didn't he go out? Could it be because he was trying to teach us a lesson? That although faith happens and is able to happen outside of the house, real growth and change happens in the community inside the house. Psalm 92.13 says that those of us who are planted in the house of God, in the community, will flourish in the courts of God. What is inside will be taken outside. It's not what outside is taken inside. It's easy to be alone, but we miss the corporate power where two touch something in agreement, where two are better than one. Why? Because there's more return for the work where Proverbs 18.1 says, he who isolates himself will ultimately seek their own desire and not the desire of the king or the kingdom. But this lame man was so awesome in my mind because he was willing to do the work to build healthy relationships even in his own unhealth. He didn't wait to get healthy. And that built healthy relationships. He knew he was messed up. He knew he didn't need more lame people next to him. Come on, somebody. He didn't need more people like him to agree with him about where his life was, how bad his life was, and the reason his life was the way it was. He needed some healthy folk to get him out of where he was. And the reality is this lame man must have worked on developing friends to have People that dedicated to him. Who are our friends? Are they leading us to or drawing us away from Jesus? Have we developed relationships with people that are healthy enough to carry us in our brokenness? That's why fours and shoulder to shoulder are so important. Which is our men and women's discipleship groups that meet throughout the week. Because you don't have to be healthy and mature to go. You go so that you can become healthy and mature. We got it flipped. Pastor, you don't understand. I'm just not there yet. I know. That's why you got to go. Because when you go, you'll realize ain't nobody there yet. 
But that's good company because you got to develop relationships with people who aren't like you yet. Because you're on health, they can carry you. And then you, when you get healthy, you can carry somebody else. But to create this kind of relational world, we must become a people like these friends who are willing to carry and not kill our wounded. We will always be tempted, my friends, to take shots at others when they're broken because it makes our souls feel better about ourselves. It's in us. It's in all of us. All the time. It's like a shark circling under the water waiting to be fed, waiting for some chum to come in the water. It's just waiting. It's just waiting. It's just waiting. It's just waiting. It's waiting to devour somebody so that it can be fed. That's why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10.5 that we need to take those thoughts captive and bring him into submission to Jesus. Because that's not Jesus. And my friends, it's so much easier to take those thoughts captive when we're surrounded by others and not alone. The worst place I can be is alone with my own thoughts. Come on, somebody. The worst place I can be for a while is alone with my own thoughts. I, I need others. Man, I, a couple years ago, I was at the, uh, an Eagles game and I was sitting with, uh, around some people who were professional swearers. Like, like, they, like they were dropping words that would make sailors blush. Like they, they were, they, do you know, come on, because they were from Philly. They, know, they knew how to put them in order, right? So, so it was awesome. They're like, they're, they're dropping everything. Halftime comes, we get some food, we sit back down, and they, we start chatting. And they ask me the question, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And they say, oh, yeah. So the whole second, this is the truth, the whole second half, they're like, beep, 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 beep. Oh, so sorry, Father. Sorry, Father. Every time they're like, oh, so sorry, Father. When they were alone, they didn't think twice. But when they were around somebody healthier than them, and it put a check on. Now, I don't care. Come on. I'm not sitting there going, you better stop that. That's just not godly. But I didn't need to. Sometimes you just need to shut up and be there. And they're like, sorry, Father. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry. Come on, these friends, we have to be willing to have some blistered hands. To help carry the weight of people's lives in real ways, in grace and in compassion, with humility and true concern, with our time and with our talents, with our, the things we treasure, treasure, with our tithe, with our testimony. We need to be willing to carry their smell on us and get messy. Do you realize people who are in this kind of condition, it's really hard for them to bathe? And many times they don't have control of their bowels. Are we okay with having their smell on us? Are we okay with knowing that other people will smell their smell on us? Because Jesus certainly carried your smell. The Bible says in Galatians 6, we're almost done, you all right? 
Galatians 6, 1 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if, any, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back to the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation as others. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, you will obey the law of Jesus. You'll be like him. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. This reveals not just a relational Jesus, but a Jesus of relationships. Our world has no problem believing that Jesus wants to be relational with them. They have a problem believing that there's a community who will live out relationships like him. It's why the world in America doesn't trust the four walls of the church any longer. Ultimately, my friends, we're going to close in just a second. But I am so challenged by the man whose house this is. Because how cool would it be to have Jesus in your house? Like, that's cool. And then, like, it's not only is it cool, but the crowd is packing it out, right? It is packed out. Even though he probably would have rather had Jesus just in his own house, spend some time alone with him. But he was like, all right, I could take people packing in here. I know it's hot. It was packed like sardines, but hallelujah, they're in my house. But then some knuckleheads start ripping apart my roof. I don't know about you. That's over the line. What makes it worse is if you understand what's going on. Is that in the Mediterranean world that he was living in, the roof was a place of rest and refreshment. You'd go up there to catch the breeze. It was walled in. You would eat up there. Many times sleep up there. It's not a pitched roof like we think in our world. It was flat that had walls so you could go up, see the sunrise, see the sunset, get the breeze off the ocean. This was the place, uh, this was the preferred place in the house. It's why in Acts 10, Peter goes up to the roof and starts to pray. He wasn't being holy. He was getting a good breeze while he was praying. It's the preferred place. I want to be like this man. This is the man I want to be, who is okay with having his place of comfort, where he goes to rest, his preference be dismantled so that the Jesus that is already in his house can be encountered by the people who are still hurting outside of his house. But I like church this way. I want church to be that way. I think this is the way things should be. Come on, tear it apart. C.T. Studd, who was an amazing missionary with J. Hudson Taylor in China for years and then gave his life in the Congo to bring the word of Jesus to people in Africa, he wrote this. Some want to live, in the, some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell, but I want to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. Could we write that? Could we mean it? See, this work, this perspiration, reveals that a person is more important than a preference. It is the person of Jesus that we are meant to reveal. Not a theology, not a liturgy, 
not a denominational construct, not a preference. It is a person, and his name's Jesus. Are we willing to become uncomfortable in our own house so that the people who aren't here yet can encounter a Jesus that they don't know about yet? Because Paul says, how will they know if we don't tell them? How can they believe unless we're sent? How beautiful are those who carry the good news of Jesus? So the real question that we have to answer is how many in our world are still left broken on their mats because they don't know that there's a real Jesus that cares about real pain? How many are left isolated and alone because they have no one to carry them, bearing the blisters and the smell to the real Jesus that heals and helps to restore wholeness and holiness in everyone? How many are left outside of the house because of our preference is a Jesus kept nice and safe in the comfort of our own house? The world is asking, will the real Jesus please stand up? And I believe Jesus is asking us, his disciples, will you please let me stand up through you? Will the real disciples please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Time is short. Hell is real. And Jesus is the only answer. It will never be who rules in the White House, but the King of God's house. That will make the difference. It is not our nation's lack of desire to know Jesus. It may just be the lack of his church actually revealing the real Jesus to him that keeps them from seeing him. We don't need to take down the trees in other people's lives. There's enough trees in our own. We need to do the work that keeps us from falling in love with him his cause, and his bride. Come on, let's pray. Oh, Jesus. There's an old song that's been in my mind all week. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence, daily live. I surrender all. My friends, this is where we've come to today. A real Jesus who wants to reveal that he really cares about people in real pain in a real way, in a real world. But it does take us to surrender. All to Jesus I surrender. I'm not keeping anything hidden. All to Jesus I surrender. That's the altar call today. And whether that all begins with your life because you've never taken that opportunity to do that. Maybe you've heard about Jesus, been around church, went to Sunday school, a youth camp somewhere, 
was in FCA or Young Life, but you never took the moment to actually surrender your life to Jesus, my friends, this is the time. Because the, the Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you got to call. And we're going to pray in just a moment. And I want to invite you to just say, Jesus, all to you I surrender. This journey starts in that moment. But maybe if you're honest, you've actually had those moments before in the past. You know Jesus, you're saved. But to be honest, your walk with him is far. It's distant. There are lots of areas that you cannot say, Jesus, all I surrender. My friend, today, can I invite you all to him, surrender. All to him, surrender. All to him, surrender. There is a freedom. There is a relief. There is a peace. There is a comfort in actually giving God the green light on everything in your life. So we're going to pray, and no matter where you are with your walk with God, if that's something that is stirring inside of you, to say, all to him, I surrender. Just pray it from the bottom of your heart because what starts in us, come on, can go beyond us. But it's got to start in us. Just pray with me. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, all to you I surrender. I give you all of my life, all that I have. I'm holding nothing back. I'm hiding nothing. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of all of my sin. Cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. Fill me with your spirit because I need it. I choose today to be purposed, to live my life, to reveal the real you to the real world with everything I've got. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we give God some glory today? In Jesus' name. Look, if you prayed that prayer, the angels in heaven are rejoicing and so are we. We have some books we'd love to give you right over here on the table. We can meet with you afterwards. If you're online, you can always uh, connect with the church. We'll send you the books out free. They'll help you actually walk this thing out. But before Kevin comes, and Pastor Kevin's going to come in a second to end the service with our worship and giving. We talked about real pain. You don't have to hide it. Not in this place. I'm giving you permission. And I'm asking you to continue to give me permission. Because I promise you, I I'm not, I'm not going to hide anything up here, and I haven't been, and I'm not going to. Because what's done in the dark, my God will make light and known in the light. It is better to surrender to the light before he makes it known in the light. We're not looking for the perfect church. And we're certainly not looking for perfect people. We are asking and inviting you to be a community of people who have real pain but are willing to walk it out in real ways with each other. I don't know about you, that's the church I want to be in. I promise you that's probably a church many of your friends don't know exists. 
You mean a place I could be real? Yep. Yeah. You got an issue? Join the crowd. Because we're all going to the same place with it. Oh, I ain't going to leave you. I ain't going to let you lay in that. Come on, church. I'm not going to let you lay in it. But we all go into the same place because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. What could happen if your friends and family members and neighbors actually knew that there was a community like that? And a God who loved them that way. Can you guys give Pastor Kevin a hand as he's coming on up? Come on, Kev. Come on up. Can we give our pastor a hand? Thank you for... I needed that um, today. I, I'm here to encourage us in our, in our giving an offering or another act of worship today. You'll have envelopes. They're around here. They're on nice tables that are around here. They're in gold kiosk around this place as well. Um, you can fill that out. You can also, there's a screen, there we go, where you can uh, go online. You can bring your phone out and scan that QR code and, and do, takes, it takes you somewhere where you can give. Um, I know technology. And so I just wanted to um, encourage us while we're filling out our envelopes or typing in all our different information to give. Um, I did not want to give the offer a message this week. I actually was talking to my wife about it, and I was like, I don't want to give it. You give it. And she said, you give it. And so I sat at the dining room table, which is like the worst place in the McKinney household to try to avoid God. And uh, when I was there, he brought up John 10, 10 to me. Enemy comes to lie, kill, and destroy, but I come to give you life and life more abundantly. And in that, I realized that when I heard the enemy comes to lie, kill, and destroy, I was like, yup, he's a liar. Won't listen to a liar. And he comes to give me life. And I'm like, yups, the Lord does come to give me life. And I stopped there. I stopped there because, man, I know my culture. I know where I grew up at. I know, I know the people that I know. And I know, man, my life is better because I know the Lord. But I don't serve a God of just enough. I serve a God of more than enough. And so with my offering... If I hold on to it because it makes sense, because gas costs this much and everything costs more, and I like money, and I want to keep it in cushions and in saving accounts and things like that, and I like looking fly, because 3-6 Mafia never lied to me. I'll never live in abundance. I'll never have a life that's more than enough. So I don't know where you're at today. Man, I'm just going to encourage you to not stop at enough. Right. To get your over quantity by trusting God and who he says he is. Yeah. And so give your offering in your hand. I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, Jesus, we thank you that you're more than enough.
Father, you know right now where we all are. You know what's in our accounts. You know what's coming in and what's going out. You know if our cupboards are full or bare. Father, but you say that you withhold no good thing. And so, Father, we trust you with this offering, knowing that as we give, Lord, that you will give back to your children a blessing pressed down, shaken together, Father. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we make that process that we just don't believe it in our minds or with our actions, that we live it in our lives. And we invite you to have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give it a hand. Love those guys. Kevin and Lisa are killing it with the kids. No, no, they're doing great with the kids. Can you guys just stand? I'm going to pray over you as we go. First of all, thank you for giving. Thank you for loving. Thank you for serving. Thank you for being willing to come today, as Kevin just said, put gas in your car and get up early and be here. Thank you for inviting friends and taking risks to love people who are challenging. Thank you for giving us permission to be honest and open and real. We started today by saying, those that wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. I'm going to pray that over you as you go. Wait on him. Wait on him. There's a breakthrough. Wait on him. There's wholeness. Wait on him. There's a miracle. Wait on him. There's hope. Wait on him. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaking or his children begging bread. The word says, we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Father, I'm believing this, these prayers, these promises over each and every person in this room, everyone who's watching online, in the name of Jesus, you said that you, we have never seen the righteous forsaken, his children begging bread. Your word says, Lord God, we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Your word says that man, when we wait on you, you will lift us up as on eagle's wings. You will restore us and renew our strength. You will help us to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint. Lord God. Father, you are the answer. You are the king of all things. You are the answer to the real pain we've got. You are the, you are the answer to the heart's pursuit of what now. You are the answer to all of life's questions. So Holy King, come and be glorified. Reveal yourself this week in us. Reveal yourself through us into the world that is around us. Help us to see who you really are and help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you, church. I love you. I'll see you, I hope, on Saturday. Run a mead, Heritage Dairy at 12. God bless you guys.